motivation is still about what kind of person is actually moved by motivation. Everybody is motivated differently. Some intrinsically, some extrinsically. Tone of voice, you know, all of those things matter when we talk about it. I don't believe that you're responsible as a great leader unless you know the person. You better get to know them before you think you can motivate them. And that's where a lot of people make mistakes. I think the best advice that I would give is that motivation comes as a privilege and it comes when you get to know the group that you're motivating because different forms of motivation can work against you uh, if you don't know who you're motivating. You're listening to the Lippert Academy for Leadership podcast, a show where we invite leaders to have courageous conversations about the journey of leadership, work, and culture. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Lippert Academy for Leadership Season 4 podcast. This is Dr. Amber Selking, the Vice President of Leadership and Culture Development here at Lippert Components. I am thrilled, honored, and excited to be launching this new season, this new journey together with you over the course of the next several months as we start to walk through and understand what is a leadership and cultural journey all about. Here at LCI, we've been on our own journey for several years now and have seen the profound impact that great leadership and a strong, powerful, grounded, high-performance culture can have on things like quality, safety, efficiency, team morale, and perhaps most importantly, the mental and emotional health of our team members who, when they feel cared for at work, go home happier and healthier. They're better parents, they're better spouses, they're better friends, they're better community members because of it. At LCI, we believe that business can and should be a force for good in this world. But that starts with us. That starts with leaders. That starts with each and every organization making the choice to make their business a force for good, where you care for your people, where you treat them like they matter, like the inherent human beings that that they are and the respect that they deserve. And from there, build something special. The Lippert Academy was developed as an opportunity to share our story with other organizations and to come alongside, whether that be through keynote speaking or training or even coaching, again, to come alongside of other teams and other organizations who want to get on their journey or figure out what are the next steps. So if there is any way that we can be of service to you, please send us an email, academy at lci1.com. Let us know what you are doing. We can share ideas, grow together, and again, provide any support and resources that we can as you're on your own journey. Again, we are just launching season four, and we are excited to do so. It's going to be sort of this back and forth between some internal conversation and dialogue with our own leaders to explore our journey, but then also interviews and conversations with leaders from around the world in all different spaces who can provide insight, wisdom, and encouragement along our own journey. I am so excited for our first courageous conversation on leadership with Notre Dame head football coach, Brian Kelly. In addition to serving as the Vice President of Leadership and Culture here at LCI, I also have the honor of serving as the mental performance coach for Notre Dame football. We are just entering our fourth season uh, with Coach Kelly and in our relationship together. And so when I asked him to be on this podcast, he was thrilled and honored to do so because his voice as a leader is truly, truly insightful. And so I am excited to share his wisdom and insights with you 
Coach Kelly, he's actually been at Notre Dame since 2009, and he is the all-time winningest active college football coach that's out there. Yes, he's over Saban. Yes, he's over Harbaugh and all those other guys out there. But he's got he's got the title right now, if you will, for the winningest college active football coach out there. And it's not by accident. He rose through the ranks quickly. He started at Grand Valley State, um, then moved into to some other programs, and has been at Notre Dame again since 2009. And over the last four years, has been on his own leadership and cultural journey. And so the rawness of his own experience and the vulnerability that he shows and shares as a leader, I think is profound as we start this new season together, as we're at the midpoint of 2020, right? We can think of this as sort of a a halftime pep talk, if you will, uh, to really dive in and, and look at how can we navigate the rest of 2020 with poise, with passion, with a focus on high performance, despite the ambiguity that lies in the environment around us. This is going to be a two-part series with Coach Kelly. So we're going to dive in today for part one and then make sure you tune back in with us next week for part two with Notre Dame head football coach Brian Kelly. All right, Coach Kelly, we are live. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to have you join us, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. My pleasure. Thanks, Amber. Yeah, so listen, we basically just passed the halfway mark uh, in in the year 2020, which has turned out to be uh, one hell of a year for many reasons. Yeah. Um, and I saw an interesting thing the other day. If you could have one college football coach give you a halfway mark pep talk or, or speech, who would it be? And, and your name came up quite a bit. And so, you know, I would love to hear just from your perspective, at this halfway mark of 2020, how do you maintain your sense of motivation and focus even amid something like the pandemic that we're going through? Well, there's such uncertainty. So, uh, you know, I think I'm used to being in a position of leadership where, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to guide and lead people through, you know, many times their first experience. And, you know, for me too, right? You know, we're, we're, you know, building this plane as we're flying it. Nobody, I don't think, has had the experience of a, a pandemic. But so I try to um, rely on information that will get us facts, the science and things of that nature and, and build it on protocol and procedures and, and lay that out for our players so it makes sense. It's rational. And so most of my time is really spent time you know, getting the facts, getting the information. So it makes sense and it's logical and, and over communicating that to, um, you know, our group, uh, that's, kind of how I've tried to operate my my entire career. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, we talk a lot about within the football program and and here, you know, in, in Lippert as well as this topic of control the controllables. And so right. in a situation like this, it's it's there's so much variability and so much ambiguity that it's like, you really have to direct your time, energy, and attention to those controllables because otherwise yeah. the anxiety and the fear can just really get away with you. Yeah, there's there's a time and place. There's a, you know, I think it's great if you'd spend 10 or 15 minutes, you know, just talking about, you know, what could be. But I think most of the day really needs to be focused upon how do we have a great Wednesday? You know, what's the most important thing to have a great Thursday or a great Friday and stay in the moment. And and it's okay to think about what might be and it might even be okay to think about what's happened in the past, but it's really about staying in the moment and staying in the present and, and how that can be most impactful to what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Because if you start thinking about the future and, and what's out there, as you know, I'm getting hit with every day, 
are you going to play? Are you going to play? Are you going to play? I can't predict that. What I can predict is how our guys uh, train today and, and how they take care of themselves and um, follow the guidelines that we put in place. Yeah, that's huge. And I, I think, you know, within that too, it's, it, it's how do you sort of bracket this moment, right? And stay in this present season, knowing that this will pass, but this is the season that we're in right now. So we got to stay laser focused in it. And one day at a time, you know, like you always say of, of what's in front of us to control today and how do we get through it? I'm curious, you know, how do you personally stay calm, cool, and collected in, in big moments, right? You've been in big games where there's a lot of pressure on the line and you have to, you have to make decisions that are going to impact the outcome like how do you personally maintain that sense of poise in in those intense type of environments well first this is my 30th year uh, of being a head coach so I have a reservoir of experience that I can go back to and and say well I've been here before I've done this before um, and and rely on on that experience for those that haven't had a lot of experience in in those moments I think it comes back to uh, the preparation and, and you've yeah. prepared yourself uh, well for that. It's, it's as simple as, you know, how do you not freeze up taking that exam? Well, if you haven't prepared for the exam, <laughs> you're probably, you're probably not ready for the a little pit you're in your probably, stomach, little anxiety. Yeah, and that's okay. I think we, you know, you yeah. and I agree that it's okay to have that. Uh, yeah. That's really healthy. Um, so I think, I think if you haven't had a lot of the experience, maybe that I've had where I've, had those experiences, then you really have to rely on your preparation. And, yeah. and having that total preparation allows you to go in with a confidence um, that allows you to stay out of the emotions of the moment. Because if you don't have that preparation or you don't have that experience, you, you will get caught up in the emotion. Yeah, that's really good. You know, we, we're talking about really broadly speaking, this concept of motivation, right? And the importance of a leader to, to motivate and lead their people well. Um, but we talk a lot about how before you can lead others, you really got to lead yourself uh, really well. And so I'd love to hear, I mean, you and I have a lot of these conversations, but I, I would love for everybody else listening to really hear the first question that you and I started on years ago, which is why, why do you do what you do? Like, what's your why and what motivates you, Coach Kelly? Yeah. So, you know, you, you see the green screen behind me, I'm sitting in my <laughs> office. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it should not be in any way, um, how I'm defined, uh, yeah. my office, uh, you have to be out there amongst your players. Mm -hmm. And so my why is to be around my players. I do this because I want to help develop 18 to 21 year olds, be the best version of themselves. So mm -hmm. what motivates me over 30 years is not, being in a great office or, you know, uh, playing the game of football as much as playing the game of life and yeah. um, having an opportunity to see the success of a Jalen Smith um, and, and how well he's doing uh, in our community and in our, our country outside of football. So my why is really about our young men and, and getting a chance to develop them on a day-to-day -day basis. I think you said something really critical there too. I actually just had this conversation this morning with our senior operations vice president where he's like, we can't lead from our office. Like we can't just sit in our office and send out reports and send out numbers and emails about all this stuff. Like we got to be with our people. Like that's where motivation happens, right? Because humans are wired for human connectivity. And when we isolate or try to lead in that way, we lose that passion side of it, right? Because people are both logical and emotional. And if we don't learn to tap into that 
that emotional side of human beings, like we lose out on, I think like that, that little extra that takes teams from being good to great. I agree with you. And, and I think comfort level in terms of what their environment is, their mm-hmm. environment is not to be in my office. They want yeah. to be where they're comfortable. Where are they most comfortable? Uh, the point. training room, their locker room. Uh, so meeting them in areas where they're not feeling that their defense mechanism is on display. They have to be, feel comfortable engaging and having conversation that's meaningful. And so finding those spots within our building, for me, um, I'm always going into uh, our, the areas where they're comfortable to talk and have a, a, a meaningful conversation. Look, my office sometimes is the principal's office, right? You know, <laughs> you, call, you call somebody into my office, um, you know, they, they're, they're going to give you kind of some sound bites uh, that are not going to be effective to, you know, getting to where you need to be. So being a roving leader and getting out and getting into the areas where is going to allow you to have that, that real meaningful conversation is important too. Even just laced in in your response to that, like I hear your humility as a leader, right? It's not about you being in that power position to to lead them and be their boss in any sort of way. It's about how do I get the best out of them, right? Which goes back to your why. And if that's truly your why, then you put them in positions that help them be their best selves, you know, and help get the best out of them in that mo- those moments. I think that's a that's a powerful connection point there. So I'm curious, before we go into some of some of your strategies to motivate some of your players, like what have maybe been some of the biggest lessons learned in your attempts to motivate either a staff member or an individual player, maybe highs and lows, a win or a fail or, or something that you've learned through that? Well, you know, motivation is still about, um, you know, what kind of person is, is actually moved, um, you know, by, by motivation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, everybody's motivated differently. Um, some intrinsically, some extrinsically, um, tone of voice, um, you know, all of those things matter when we talk about it, you and I talk about the, you know, we're responsible for the engine and, and, uh, you know, having the understanding and, and recognizing that, that you are responsible for that engine and how you motivate um, makes a difference. So it can't be cookie cutter. Um, And so I don't believe that you're responsible um, as a great leader, unless you know the person Um, you better get to know them before you think you can motivate them. Um, And that's where a lot of people make mistakes just by your title um, doesn't give you the right um, to mess with that engine um, because y- you could do harm in your motivation. So I think the best advice that I would give is that motivation comes as a privilege and it comes when you get to know the group that you're motivating because different forms of motivation can work against you uh, if you don't know who you're motivating. That's powerful too, right? Because I think within that, what you're saying is all you can do is really create environments of motivation, but it's that internal drive that is our responsibility as leaders is to try to 
activate in other people, right? So it's not about us, it's about them. And you, you reference the engine of the car. So let's break that apart a little bit. You know, when we say car, we mean competence, autonomy, and relatedness, right? The, the three basic psychological needs that all human beings have, that when an environment supports those three things, it actually drives that intrinsic motivation. And if an environment tries to undermine any of those three, then that creates negative motivation in a person. And so maybe share a little bit about how you've incorporated that sort of theory, right? Because it's a theory. And and how have we incorporated that into, or, you know, the, the Notre Dame football program and what impact have you seen because of that? Yeah. So, you know, when, when you're dealing with young men, uh, in particular, the the young men that are just coming into our program. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, I gave you a, a, a pretty clear vision of staying away from, you know, strong motivational talks until you get a feel for everybody. So with the young players, I want to put them in a position of success early on. So when we talk about competency, we we want to see them have success. So we're going to ask them to do things that that give them success, which will build confidence and competency and confidence. Now we're motivating them and we're giving them the opportunity now to maybe reach out a little bit more on their own to do things. And, And that's building you know, competency and autonomy um, on their own. And, and that's motivation in itself. So we start very small. And, and I think some would say um, setting some easy expectations. So I think if you start really small, you then can start to work into some other modes that allow you to get to some, some motivational factors. Yeah, it's really good. That just reminds me of the book, uh, Whale Done by Ken Blanchard. I don't know if you ever read it. It's like yeah. that super thin one, right? It's sure. like, how do you train, train a killer whale to jump over like a, a flaming hoop? You don't start with a flaming hoop. You know, you start with a bar under the water. And when he goes over it, you praise him. I mean, because what are you going to do? Beat a killer whale over the head with a stick? Like, I'm fairly certain you're going to be his next meal, if so. And so, you know, why do we try to do that to kids or to employees uh, thinking that that's going to allow them to jump over the, the flaming I mean, hoop. You know, you've got to give them something that they can accomplish and then praise them because praise to humans is like water to, to flowers and fish to killer whales, <laughs> right? No doubt. It, it makes you want to do it more. Now, look, there's, there's always going to be some outliers. Kyle Hamilton, for example, was an extraordinary freshman that we brought in last year. He was an All-American. And, you know, typically what we do in, in strength and conditioning is we start with about 30% less volume for our freshmen in strength and conditioning than those players that are already in our program. It just makes sense, right? You know, yep. we don't know where they're at from a physical conditioning standpoint compared to the guys that are in the program. Well, it took two days to figure out that Kyle Hamilton was not on the 30% less routine. <laughs> so we, we, we immediately saw somebody that could handle more. And, and you'll have that too within your organization that some are ready for, you know, more than just some competent acts, more than just, hey, you know, uh, do, do these small things and, and have small gains. You'll see that, and, but there'll be outliers. The rest of the group, you'll, you'll gradually work them into it to get to that level. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Wow, man, I'll tell you what, every time I have an opportunity to, to dive into a conversation with Coach, it always leaves me invigorated. It, it makes me feel like, man, we, there is an opportunity to do something special here because he's just so adamant about who he is, how he's going to lead his team and his program. And I hope you all were able to, to take away some of those insights as well. You know, specifically, let's dive into a couple of those topics that, that he referenced as it relates to, you know, motivation, for example. I love what he said about, you know, before we can really start to motivate other people, we need to first explore our own why. Why do we do what we do? Because here's the thing about leadership. It's out of us that everything else flows in our organizations. It's what's in our mind and our heart that becomes an overflow to those around us in terms of how we live our own life, how we lead those around us, and the pursuits in which we endeavor. Because listen, the pursuit isn't a bad thing. High performance isn't a bad thing. But why are we on that pursuit? Why are we on that journey? That's the question we always need to check ourselves with. And then we need to explore the motives of our heart. Are those the right intentions? Are those the right motives? Because here's the thing. Your people are going to know. They're going to know why we're doing this. Is it just to hit the number? Is it just to get your bonus? Or is it to develop them as human beings to help them get to the next step on their journey? Again, metrics aren't bad. Business isn't bad. Winning isn't bad. In fact, we're created to be excellent. Right there, there is a there's an air of excellence that is an expectation of wired into humans that we have the potential to bring this world, but we can't sit on the sideline and, and let that happen, you know, by chance, which it doesn't, and we can't be on that journey with ill intent and self-serving motivation. And so that exploration of why is critical. And then how out of that why can we create an environment that people can really get excited about? Coach referenced car, right? Competence, autonomy, and relatedness. We talk about that all the time internally here at LCI of what are we doing to raise the competency of our team members? Competence is just knowing what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. What are our training programs like? What are our orientations like? What are our onboardings like? Now, again, we're not perfect here at LCI. We're on our own journey. We're constantly developing, growing, evolving, understanding the need for more of this, right? But when our people know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, guess what? they're gonna show up a little bit more motivated because none of us like to put our hand to something that we don't know how to do. If that's the case, right, we're a little bit insecure. Sometimes we even get defensive about it. And so we owe that to the people around us to make sure that they're fully equipped to do the job that we're asking them to do, whether you're on the football field or you're in the manufacturing plant or you're in an office environment. And then secondly, autonomy, right? Autonomy comes down to trust, right? Do, do we trust our people to make choices, right? To help us solve problems in our business, right? To, to be more creative with their task or their role and bring this sort of air of continuous improvement to everything around them. That's what autonomy is all about. And then relatedness, do our people feel connected? First and foremost to us as a leader, and then secondly, to the vision, mission, where we're going as a team or an organization. People have to feel that sense of connection or guess what? They're not going to be that motivated. It'll be too easy to quit in the process. And so creating an environment where the environmental, as leaders, we're the environmental engineers of the environment around us, of the, of the culture in which our teams show up every day. And so what are we doing today to help us build competence, autonomy, and relatedness into the environments that we're around? And then what are we doing that might be undermining any of those? Because here's the thing, we're either building culture or we're destroying it. 
And, and we get to make that choice as a leader. So do an assessment on where you're at and, and how we can, again, build these three things instead of tear down those three things in the environments that, that we show up into every day. You know, I, I think that as we all go on this journey of leadership and culture together, we don't have to go it alone. We hope that this podcast is going to be a resource for you through season four to continue to give you nuggets, right, as a leader, as a coach, as a parent, that you can start to weave into your own life. Again, this doesn't just have to be at work. This can be in your family life. You know, I, Aaron, and my, Aaron, my husband, and I, we talk all the time about we, we have a vision for our marriage. We have a mission for our marriage. We have core values for our marriage. We talk about our why, Right? Why are we in, in endeavoring in these areas? And it's critical for us to understand that this stuff applies in every area of our lives. And so as we go through this season together, again, you don't have to go it alone. Yes, this is absolutely a free and wonderful resource for you. We're gonna share some really powerful voices from other people around the world to help give you different levels of insight. But if there's any way that the Lippert Academy for Leadership can come alongside of you on your journey, please please reach out. Our heart, again, is that all types of businesses, big, small, all different industries, regardless of where you're at around the world, get on your own leadership and cultural journey. And we're here to help. You can send us an email directly, academy at lci1.com. Those come to my me and my team. Uh, and again, we would love to come alongside of you, whether that's through keynote speaking, through training, or just some ideation sessions around how to take the next steps on your journey. Thank you so much for tuning in for us today. The Lippert Academy for Leadership Podcast, where we talk to head coach at Notre Dame football, Mr. Brian Kelly. And we are going to be going back next week with him as well for part two of our series. So make sure you tune in. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong solely to the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the view or mission of Lippert Components, Inc. Thanks to Eternity Bro for our theme music and to Michael Yoder and the amazing team over at Truthwork Media. Thanks for listening. Thank you.